Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. My name is Neil McCready. I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Zach Barry is joining us as he always does. Um, This one's going to be a little abbreviated tonight because I screwed something bad up technically and we lost about 25 minutes just then and we're probably not going to replicate that but um, anyway that's on me so let me first tell you about dead soxy uh, it's a great product here's what I want you to know this particular week they're going to be in Oxford releasing their brand new alumni line it is uh, their alumni collection it's going to be at Nelson's on the square in Oxford on Friday day before Ole Miss Arkansas from noon until close And then on Saturday, day of, obviously, Ole Miss and Arkansas, it is going to be uh, noon until 3. So plenty of time for you to check out this new line, new colors. It's really cool. Great, great stuff. It's great quality. Uh, They're going to be there so you can meet them, take a look at the product, put your hands on it before it's available to the general public and still have plenty of time to get to the Grove, get to the game, do all the tailgating stuff as you get ready for uh, Ole Miss in its home opener, SEC opener, against the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call the number, ask for Corey Clark, tell him what Ford you're looking for, send him a quote. I mean, send, give him, uh, tell him what you're looking for. He'll send you a quote right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You're going to get a great product, great service after the sale. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove it to you. 662-257-1900. Zach, how are you? Neil, I'm disappointed that that that, uh, that monologue is now lost in the upside down. It's now in limbo. It was almost 20 minutes, and I was really proud of it. It was it was pretty outstanding. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was pretty great. I was mesmerized. I'll, I'll, I'll do it in a much more concentrated form, and maybe it'll even be better this way because I won't go into quite so much detail because some of it's redundant. Here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the, the, the brief recap of what we're going to do here yes it's a recruiting weekend there are going to be some prospects there uh i don't have a list yet as we tape this on wednesday evening at 6 48 p.m i don't have a list i haven't pursued a list i'll probably get something resembling a list i'll go down to the field on saturday i'll put together a list i'll tell you who all is i know to be here for the game and then i'll follow up uh over the 48 hours or so after the game and try to put together some form of a comprehensive list of who actually came to the contest who is a uh, prospect so we'll do that it's the first of seven home games and uh, frankly I don't expect a whole lot of eventful stuff it's just a recruiting event not there are no official visitors that I'm aware of 
uh, et cetera. So we'll do that, and I'm sure Zach, because Zach is very connected to recruiting uh, all over the place, I'm sure he'll have some information too. And so between the two of us, we'll get you guys a, a, a comprehensive list as best we can of who makes it to Arkansas at Ole Miss. Um, all right, Zach, I'm going to re- redo this. So I didn't cover recruiting the last few years. We hired Russell Johnson to do it. He did a pretty good job. Uh, we sort of let him have it. You, on the other hand, are one of the most sane, normal, likable recruiting junkies I've ever met. You, you actually sounds like sounds like a new Twitter bio. It could be. It could be. It could be. Yeah, feel free to take it after what I've put you through tonight. <laughs> um, you followed recruiting a lot over the years. I, I really didn't. I mean, I, I did enough to be able to converse with it and enough to be able to do my job. But the day-to-day recruiting, the, the, the minutia of recruiting, I let Russell handle it. I didn't touch it. Um, call that lazy. Call it whatever you want to call it. It is what it is. I'm being transparent. Um, so Ole Miss went to Memphis on Saturday, as you know, as everyone listening to this basically knows, and lost 15-10. to 10. Uh, at the Liberty Bowl, the game was on ABC. Ole Miss uh, played an atrocious offensive half of football. Uh, Memphis built the lead. Uh, Ole Miss came back, got to within 13-10, to 10, uh, got the ball on their own two-yard line. The drive lasted one play. It was a sack for Memphis. 15-10, to 10, Ole Miss had to kick to Memphis because those are the rules of the game of American football, and Memphis ran the clock out. Game ends, Ole Miss loses 15-10, to 10, and there has been a lot of angst out there since then. A lot of anger, a lot of frustration, much of it justifiable, some of it not, um, in my opinion. There's been – this is a great time to subscribe to rebelgrove.com. You should get on it. The, the Grove, the community, is a fascinating, entertaining place right now. There's a lot of discussion about what happened, what should have happened, what didn't happen, what could have happened, what needs to happen, all of those things. And it is, if nothing else, entertaining. So subscribe, rebelgrove.com. It's part of the Rivals Network. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this in a much more concentrated form. I'm going to take people where I think the program, how it got where it is, where it is, where it appears to be going, and then I'm going to – and I'm going to – Include recruiting, because recruiting is obviously the lifeblood of of college football programs. And then I'm going to turn it over to you, and you can tell me that I'm an idiot. You can tell me that I I sort of got it right. I kind of got it right. I got it sort of right, half right, mostly right. Uh, You can feel free to say that I'm a genius, whatever you want to do. And and we'll talk about how they got here in recruiting and some of the decisions that are made and and that are are going to be made. Cool? Perfect. Okay. Love it. Here we go. So you have to go back to 17. I'm kidding. Uh, you, you have to go back to <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Freeze gets off to a great start. But then the NCAA thing happens. And then the second NCAA thing hits. January of 16. There have been rumblings before that. But January of 16, it hits. A second letter. Boom. The program's going down. There's no denying it. The program is going down. At that moment. You know it. That's before the draft and all of that stuff. I mean, it's you know, 16. Program's going down. And at that point, recruiting starts to slip. 
kids are hearing, hey, man, if you go to Ole Miss, you're never going to play in a bowl game. If you go to Ole Miss, you don't know what's going to happen. It's bad. They're going to blow it up. They're going to they're gonna destroy it. And then they have the 2016 season, which doesn't go particularly well. They finish it with two blowout losses uh, at Vanderbilt, at home to Mississippi State. Don't make a bowl game. Take the red shirt off Shea Patterson. All of that stuff. They go into that, that recruiting season. is very difficult. The 2017 class, not particularly impactful. Then Hugh Freeze gets fired. The uh, massage gate, escort gate, whatever you want to call it. Matt Luke gets the job on an interim basis. Uh, our sources at rebelgrove.com told us that night and never backed off of it until the Saturday after the Iron Bowl, after the Egg Bowl, that Matt Luke was not getting the job. So who's getting the job? Well, nobody knows. So Ole Miss is kind of almost not on the recruiting radar in all of 2017, the whole season. So the 2018 class, even though they, they hire Matt Luke and he retains most of the staff and all of that, the, the damage was done and they lost a lot of recruiting battles. So the 18 class, not particularly impactful. That might be kind. So then they go to the 2019 class. Matt Luke gets a full season on the job, his first full season as the permanent head coach. You can go into the debate about how many years. I don't want to do it. First full season as the permanent head coach. And they recruit significantly better. There's a bowl ban, but it doesn't affect that class. And they recruit better. It's a more impactful class. You saw it on Saturday at Memphis, especially on the defensive side of the football. A lot of guys playing for the first time. A lot of young wide receivers. A couple of young running backs. Uh, there's about to be a young offensive tackle that's about to step in. Uh, all that. It's all there. And right now, they're in the process of putting together what I believe, what I think Zach believes, is an impactful 2020 recruiting class that has a lot more star power, a lot more high-ceiling guys. I think they're going to add more guys, assuming that nothing crazy happens in terms of the coaching staff and stability and stuff like that. I think they're on the right path. So people say, what do you mean they're on the right path? They're not winning. They should have they should have recruited more junior college guys. They should have they should have recruited. There's no reason this offensive line should be where it is today. And I say to that, yes, there is. When you don't recruit impactful prospects in 17 and in 18, when you get to 2019, there's not enough meat in your class. They lost Greg Little a year early. They always knew they would. Should they have planned better for that? Probably. But, you know, it's, it's it. left tackles don't grow on trees. They should have signed JUCOs, Neil. They should have gotten a JUCO. Because here's the thing. If you go into the transfer market, and Ole Miss tried to, and you look at the uh, transfer portal, there wasn't anything attainable in the transfer portal on the offensive line that wanted to come to Ole Miss right now. Okay, well, what about JUCOs? Well, impactful JUCO offensive linemen, and by the way, there aren't many of them, Ole Miss couldn't get them. The Pierce Burtons of the world, those don't grow on trees. They couldn't get them. Well, what about just JUCO bodies? This is where the staff made an interesting decision and a hard decision a couple of years ago. 
they're going to go the long play. They're going to bring in guys that can develop. They're going to bring in guys who have a three- or four-year impact window as opposed to a JUCO kid who's going to need a year to develop and then one year to contribute. In other words, they're building foundation, knowing damn well, by the way, that they might be building a foundation for their successor. That's why they make a lot of money. On one hand, you might say, well, that sucks for Matt Luke. On the other hand, you might say, you know, he's getting paid three-plus million dollars a year, tough life, and both of you would be right. Yeah. But that's where they are today. And here's where the university is today. This is why I think some of this talk about let's fire Matt Luke right now or let's fire Matt Luke at the end of this season is, is I think it's premature for all the reasons I just discussed. It's not me defending Matt Luke or whatever. Do I, do I like Matt Luke? Yeah, I like Matt. I do. Do I think Matt winning would be a good story? I do. Do I think Matt's in the scoreboard business? I absolutely do. He's in the SEC, and if you don't win enough in the SEC on the scoreboard, it doesn't matter how good of a guy you are. They're going to find somebody else to replace you. That's just the way life works in that league. He's making a lot of money. He knows all that. But the university isn't going to have a chancellor in all likelihood at the end of the season. It doesn't have an AD. Keith Carter is the interim AD. He's not the permanent AD. And if he is going to become the permanent AD, it won't be known by the end of this season. So there's nobody in place to make the kind of decision that needs to be made. I'll finish with this. What I think should have happened in 2017 is Jeffrey Vitter and some of the people in Oxford should have stayed the hell out of it and let Ross Bjork make his hire. He was going to hire Dave Doran from North Carolina State. How good would Dave Doran have done? I don't know. We'll never know. He did a good job at Northern Illinois. He's done a pretty good job at Wake Forest. It's not exactly a football power. And he probably would have done a pretty good job of building a foundation at Ole Miss. He was a grinder, no no, no baggage, not particularly sexy hire, but would have been solid, would have been good. It would have turned the page on all of the Hugh Freeze stuff. It would have let the program move on, et cetera. But that's not what happened. And everyone wants to say Matt Luke's done a terrible job. But I disagree. I've covered it. I don't think he has. He made one mistake, and it was a significant mistake, but he's atoned for it and he's addressed it. And that was he kept Longo and McGriff and those guys. But if you understand the psychology behind it, you know how that happened. And frankly, it doesn't really matter. It didn't really matter all that much but here's where they are today if you upset the apple cart right now this class that they're building a foundational class is going to fall apart if on the other hand you stay the course and i'm not talking about a long time i'm talking about giving him one more season you're going to bring that class in and then they'll go in the next season where frankly the schedule is brutal on the front half. Brutal. There's a real chance that they're better next season and it doesn't show on the win-loss column. And if that's the case, at the very least at that point, you have a new chancellor, you have a new AD, you have time. You pay Matt Lucas money. You thank him for his service. And frankly, at that point, he will have left the program in much better shape than he inherited it.
Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, and by the way, I you told me you were going to give me the opportunity to agree or disagree. I completely agree. Um, maybe that's not good for podcast fodder, but I mean, I do. Um, I mean, just going back and looking at the 2016 class, when I think that's when it fell apart. That's when the rumblings of things started to uh, surface. You had a ton of instant impact defensive recruits in that class that they all whiffed on. Um, guys like Terrell Hall, Shai Carter, Nigel Knott, you know, those types of guys didn't make it. But, you know, just kind of going through what you, you were saying, you know, the offensive line discussion. You know, Greg Little was in that class. He was great. He's in the pros. Uh, Bryce Matthews, he's still at Ole Miss. Question mark. Don't really know. Eli Johnson, same thing. He's played one game. Um, the only other two guys in that class, Chandler Tewitt, hasn't played much. Jack DeFore, transferred. Okay? So, yeah. really one proven guy there. The next class, I mean, you had Tony Gray, who transferred. Didn't really do anything. Ben Brown, he's been great. Freshman All-SEC last year. Was good in the first game. Sincere David converted to defensive line. So that's two. It's back-to-back classes with really no contributing guys on the offensive line. So you know, you look at the 2018 class, more of the same. Um, Hamilton Hall hasn't played, uh, and that's it. Now 2019, they loaded up on a ton of offensive linemen. But then when you bring up the, you know, why didn't they go get any JUCO guys? Okay, looking at the JUCO ranks, you had a guard who was out in Texas, went to Oregon. Tackle who was in Pennsylvania, went to Penn State. Tackle who was in Kansas, went to Utah. Uh, tackle in Arizona, went to Nebraska. I mean, the, none of these guys were on Ole Miss's radar. It, th- there are far less offensive linemen in junior college that Power 5 programs want to go after because, you know, in case nobody knew this, Playing offensive tackle in Power Five football is really, really hard. So if they can't do that, then guess what? They play defense. So they're always going to be, in my opinion, more defensive linemen to go after and, and find than offensive linemen, especially ones that are worth going to get. Like you said, going for a three to four year ceiling type player instead of a one year where it's just hey, you've acclimated, so we lost a year of eligibility there, and then, hey, here's your senior year, and we'll get one year out of you. So I think that their buildings, I mean, in this class alone, you've got your quarterback. You've got Robbie Ashford. They signed, I believe, seven offensive linemen in that last class. Uh, this year's class, I think you've got some some really, really good found out foundational pieces for defense and offense. Um I think that uh, Robert Scott out of Arkansas is going to be a really good player. Um, you interviewed him. You said probably one of the most intelligent recruits you've ever spoken with. Absolutely. Good, really sharp kid. I think that's a good sign for an offensive lineman. Um, you've got some high-level defensive guys in this class. I mentioned the quarterback. Uh, Eli Acker continues to hear from Power 5 programs left and right. They have a plan. And I know that people are tired of hearing about the plan because they're not seeing wins, and I get the frustration. It, it sucks. The 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 payout is not going to be immediate. It's going to be long term. And like you said, they might be building it for whoever may take their place. And firing somebody right now, as much as people want to, because 
because they're just frustrated because Ole Miss has not won an SEC game since Arkansas of last year. They haven't won a home SEC game since, what, Vandy of 2016? Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, Vandy uh, of uh, 17, Matt Luke. Oh, 17, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, Shea Patterson went wild. So it's it, it's hard. It's, it, look, it's hard to be an Ole Miss fan right now. At last week, just brutal. I mean, it, it it was great. You know, defense looked awesome, and then the offense laid an egg. So I you see what they look like this weekend, but in terms of recruiting, since this is a recruiting podcast, I think that when Tyler Siski was hired and people made jokes about the Shark Tank and, oh, well, you know, they still didn't get N'Kobe Dean and, you know, they, they didn't get Radar Jones. And, oh, okay. But you can see it in this 2020 class. And I'm with you. I sincerely believe that there are more instant impact guys that will end up in this class that are going to end up in it rather whether they go 8 and 5 or whether they go 5 and 7. It's not going to matter. So this you know the jokes of you know well you know he got the job because he loves Ole Miss so much well people are probably going to be thanking him that he loved Ole Miss so much because if in fact he is building this product for someone else then hey that's 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 more than some people would do in that in that position well and, and I don't mean that that's what he's intentionally doing I mean obviously what he's hoping happens is that Progress shows this season. On, and by the way, they have eleven games left. There, there is time. <laughs> yeah, there's only one game. Um, and then that you know, next season, a lot of these kids who will have now played a year will blossom and get better, and they'll make plays and they'll win games that people like. Right now, today on paper, I look at it and I'm like, boy, Baylor's gonna be tough, and then. You know, Alabama and LSU and Auburn back to back to back. Woo! But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe – I'm sure what he's hoping is that they win a couple of those games and people look at it and go, oh, well, look, look what happened. And then 20 years later, he's, you know, he, he's the, the Dabo Sweeney of Ole Miss. Do I think that's going to happen? Hell, man, I don't know. I mean, there's no, there's no real sign of it today. But this is where I get a little frustrated with people. People come at me and say, "Why are you such a Matt Luke fan?" Let me let me let me put this on the record. Do I like Matt Luke as a person? I do, I do. He's a good guy. Would I like to see Matt win? Sure. I know people don't believe this, but I'm a pretty nice guy. I don't have a whole lot of friends. I'm kind of guarded. I'm kind of careful. But the people who I am friends with would probably tell you that I'm a nice guy. I like to see nice things happen to nice people. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Most reasonable people feel that way. I like to see good things happen to good people. He's a good guy. But am I a fan of him? I mean, that's, that's, that's way too strong. I'm not cheering for him. No. It's not my job to cheer for him. It's my job to not cheer for or against him. If he doesn't win, it won't work. It's a scoreboard business. But where I'm different from a lot of people is I'm more practical about it. And I look at it and I say, would anybody else have done much better? And this is where you get into some people that go, well, they would have won another game or two last season. Okay, and that would have done what? 
What would that yeah. have? What difference I mean, would it have made? You would have gone to no bowl instead of going to a bowl. Instead of not <laughs> going to a bowl, you would have still not gone to a bowl. You would have. It would have changed the recruiting trail because I. I don't believe that. I don't think that a kid would have said, you know what. If Ole Miss would have held on and beaten South Carolina last season and gone seven and five instead of six and six, I would have gone there. But now I'm not. I don't. I don't believe that. <laughs> now you cover recruiting too. You can feel free to disagree, but I never hear a kid say that. Yeah, I. I don't think it was going to matter. And so I look at where they are today, and I think he's got them in a pretty good spot in terms of a program. I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's viewing it from a long range. He's making decisions that are in the best interest of the program and maybe not even in the best interest of himself. Yeah. Because the best interest of himself right now would have been to look at this and go, hey, if I got to win six games next year or seven games next year to keep my gig, I'm hopping in this transfer portal. I'm loading up, and we're taking JUCOs because they won't all pan out, but they won't all bust either. Screw the high school thing. Push the credit card. Just get get a new card. Put the balance on the old card, and let's roll. And if it goes belly up, I'll file bankruptcy, and nobody will get their money, and I'm getting the hell out of here. It's not what he's doing. That's the part when people say you're defending him. I'm not defending him. I'm trying to explain this is where you are as a program. And the reason you're at this place as a program is because of the damage that psychopath did back when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. (laughs) I don't know how long we are into this podcast, but I still can't believe we haven't even talked about somebody putting a hospital bed in a coaching booth. We're about 25 minutes in, so it took us longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it was, you know, on Monday Monday night, Louisville, Notre Dame. Scott Satterfield, new head coach at Louisville, great guy. Great great coach. Did, you know, great things at App State. Uh, he's, he's in his seventh year, I believe, as a head coach. I had so many people that were like, man, look at, look at Louisville. They were 2-10 and 10 last year, and they're hanging in there with Notre Dame. Which is which was true. They were in that game early. But Louisville has had eighty five scholarships to dole out for the last couple of years. Ole Miss has not. They have been dealing with a five to six year investigation from the NCAA and the turmoil and the repercussions of that. I mean, it, it is I mean, this is ad nauseum at this point for, for you and for everybody else with Ole Miss. But that, kids hate – the reason it's so accurate for you to say it is that kids hate instability. Yeah. I mean, that's – absolutely. A, a kid wants to know, if I sign with you, you know, they they, they want to like their position coach. They want to like the town, and they want to have a good relationship with their teammates. But they ultimately want to know, hey, if I go here – you're good. You're not going to leave. Um, you know, we're going to have a shot at, you know, maybe doing some postseason stuff. Okay, cool. I'm in. Yeah. Now, Ole Miss has not had that for, uh, you know, th- that Sugar Bowl feels like it was a decade ago to some people. And it may as well have been. Uh, it was forever ago because, I mean, the, it's just been such a roller coaster and it's just people just have to just hold on. Just 
fasten the seatbelt. You're gonna. It's these. You you and Chase have been talking about it for probably two years now. About 2019 is more than likely going to suck because I mean you're at that very very top and you're about to head down on that roller coaster and it's just going to be a bumpy and really shitty ride and you might need a bag to throw up in. Well, and here's the thing: if and I can't tell people what to think, and I don't want to tell them what to think. I I, I don't. And if they go three and nine this year, and they jump out next year and go three and nine again, they're going to fire the coach. Breaking, mm-hmm. they're going to fire the coach because you got to sell tickets, and you won't be able to sell tickets, and they're going to fire the coach. Yep. Reality. Whether they should or shouldn't, that's for somebody else to decide. They will. They will fire it, the coach. And let me let me but ask you this real we quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, because I'll forget because I'm getting old. Okay. If it's me and I'm an Ole Miss fan, what I'm watching this season is development. Would it be cool to win six games and go to the Weed Whacker Bowl? Yeah, sure. Is it gonna is it gonna really change your program? No, it's really not. Because if I say to you who played in the Las Vegas Bowl last year, you can't tell me. You don't know. Nobody remembers. Nobody cares. Who won the Music City Bowl last year? I remember only because the young man from Indiana, the Purdue fan, was really sick by then, and, and he died shortly thereafter. It's really all I remember from that game. Nobody remembers these games, unless it's a game that matters, a big game. But I'm watching for development. I want to see how much better... DeMarcus Gregory is, for example, in late October than he is today. Mm-hmm. How much better is Jerion Ely in October than he is today? How much better is Snoop Connor in mid-November than he is today? How much better is Matt Corral eight starts in than one start in? And listen... If eight, nine games in, this team still looks like an absolute train wreck, it's a different conversation. Well, yeah. But if they're looking better, this is where you have to look at a rebuild, in my opinion, and say, is the team developing? I mean, I've used this analogy a lot. I'm a Cubs fan. I know Major League Baseball and college football are not the same thing. But there was a moment in 2014 – when Anthony Rizzo, the Cubs' first baseman, at this point a very young Cubs' first baseman, 24, 25 years old, basically got hit by a pitch. One of his teammates got hit by a pitch. I can't remember exactly how it happened. It was in Cincinnati, and the Reds at the time were probably the class of the division. And he basically took on the Cincinnati Reds' dugout. And it galvanized. There's your leader. There's your leader right there. And some of these young players started to come around. They made the trade for Addison Russell, who at the time was a big prospect with the, the uh, Oakland A's. Javi Baez began to show some real promise. There were some things that happened. And you said, here they go. They're not there yet. And that wasn't a good team. I think they lost 93 games. But the next year, they were a playoff team. Development. I want to see if I'm an Ole Miss fan development I want to get less I know you want to win but realistically here's reality there's four or five games on your schedule that you have no chance to win 
because of what's happened over the past several years. That's just the reality. Yeah, I mean, it's people, it's hard to be patient in dire times because people want change so bad and they want it fast. I mean, I had, Neil, I had people last week, oh, I'm selling my stock on Jerry Neely, selling it on Matt Corral. Like, this is Matt Corral's first start ever, and this is Jerry Neely's first game, first college game. Like, come on. Now, if he's like this in, in, in week 11, I wouldn't say sell your stock, but you're like, okay, maybe he's going to take a little bit to, to get used to this college football thing. Now, for all we know, he can come out this weekend against Arkansas and go for 150 all-purpose or something. I mean, it's, it's one game, and it's just it, it's bigger picture. And well, it sucks. And, and it's a, but it's also it was predictable that – that Matt Corral would struggle in, in week one. It's predictable. Yeah. Most quarterbacks struggle in their first game. Yeah. I mean, I, and I understand people say, and I, I, let me give them this. Well, Matt Luke's they been the offensive be, line they coach. They can all be Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. People say, well, Matt Luke's been the offensive line coach. He's been a part of all these offensive line evaluations. How did they get to this place? You know what? That's That's fair. People say, how does how is it that some of these guys just aren't getting bigger and stronger? Is Paul Jackson doing his job? That's a valid question. Those are questions that at the end of the season need to be asked and addressed. But when you do the whole well, Matt Corral looked he looked shaken. Yeah, it was his first college start. Yeah. <laughs> National television. People go, well, he played a lot last year. Again, no, he didn't. He played against, like, one of the Illinois directional schools. He played a little bit mm-hmm. against uh, ULM. I mean, I do all the ULM jokes. ULM is a bottom half of the Sun Belt team. And he yeah, played I mean- against ULM. He played one series out of necessity against South Carolina. And then he had to finish up when Jordan Tamu got hurt in a blowout loss that he should have been kicked out of because he got lost his composure and threw punches in the damned end zone. There was nothing to believe from what he did. That Oh, yeah, man, he's ready to walk in, fully composed, red shirt freshman, and just take off. It's nothing. There was nothing to support that. And people say, well, the coaches said, the coaches said, well, listen, what do you expect them to say? Here's here's where you want to blame somebody. I'll tell you who you can blame, and I'll stop cutting you off. I'll let you have it in just a second. Blame the media. Blame me, because I learned a lesson this August. And next August, if if access is as little as it was this year, I'm not going to one practice. I'm going to go to (laughs) post-practice. I'm not going to go to the practice. So if people say, what did you see? I'll say, I've seen nothing. Here's what they say. Well, well, what I was going to say was, was, could you make the case that that Egg Bowl last year was was Matt Corral's uh, Rizzo moment? Yeah, maybe galvanizing a team. I mean, it it was obviously not going to be immediate. The offense is going to take a minute to get going. I think it's going to take him some time to get 
into the flow of this offense and to gel and the offensive lineman, Lord knows they need some, some, some work, but yeah, I mean, I, so I was going to ask you earlier, we always joke and say the numbers always work out with recruiting and you were talking about, you know, if, if they don't win, uh, then they're going to have to make a decision. Um, I, I don't know the finance situation of Ole Miss, but I mean, do you think that that's kind of a similar thing where, It'll always work out if you need to make it happen. I mean, you know, it's it's going to hurt if you have to cut a check for $12 million, basically, to make a coaching staff go away. Does Ole Miss have that kind of money floating around? No, of course not. But at some point, you know, if, I mean, let's say they lose tomorrow or sat, Saturday against Arkansas. And Southeastern Louisiana rolls in the next week and there's only 28,000, 30,000 people at the game. And they win it, and they lose to Cal, and they lose to Alabama. I'm doing the worst-case deal. Lose to Alabama, come home, play Vanderbilt. There's 38,000 people, and you lose. Later in the season, you play A&M at home, and the only thing that gets people excited is that there's beer at the stadium. And then <laughs> later in the year, you play New Mexico State at home, and there's nobody there. 18,000 people. I guess in that scenario, you have to look at it and go, we have to weigh here. Mm-hmm. If if you don't do anything, can you sell enough tickets for next season to do this? And I don't know the answer to that. That's a question for some other people. That's for a question yeah, for people you- who are staring at the books that I, I don't have access to. Yeah, I mean, you can't afford that many consecutive years of lost revenue. That's why, because, I, I mean, so what I'm watching against Arkansas is they know what's coming. I mean, Arkansas has a coaching staff that gets paid money to coach football too. And so they're going to watch the Memphis film probably somewhere in the realm of 70 times. They're going to throw the same stuff at Corral at this offensive line that Memphis did. Can they handle mm-hmm. it this week? Did they make an adjustment? Do they do some different things? Because they're going to do the same stuff. The formula was just presented. It's just 11 on 11. You don't get to like change the fundamentals of the game. They're going to do the same thing. Can they make an adjustment? How does Broker look at tackle? Um, do they find ways to get the, the football into the hands of Ely more, into Con- Connor's hands more? Do they utilize some of their young wide receivers better? A lot of those kinds of things. I'm interested to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at as far as I- I'm reserving judgment until this week and probably next week. I want to see now that they have a product to look at and assess and to tweak and change and mold and all that all the metaphors and all the you know clichés i mean they they it, there's no more we only have this this against air yeah you played memphis you know what you got now this is where they earn their money this is where rich rod earns that paycheck yes okay we were terrible in week 1 now we need to fix it mike McIntyre, hey pretty good still missing tackles Still gave up some third and long runs, had some dumb penalties. He's got to fix that. I mean, it's 
Got to be this more disciplined where, on defense. Yeah, but they were yeah. much better. There was much improvement. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm I'm going to wait, and I want to see these next two weeks because I want to see how they respond. It's a young team. It's an inexperienced team. There's no there's no DK Metcalf. There's no A.J. Brown. There's no Sean Rawlings, Javon Patterson, Jordan Tiamu. There's no upperclassmen really in a opportune spot to be a leader. Matt Corral, as Matt Luke said, is the leader of the offense. He's a redshirt freshman. Now, is he going to take charge, lead by example, get in the huddle, get in people's faces? How are they going to react? I mean, is Momo Sonogo going to take over the defense? And, hey, guys, that was unacceptable. we got to come back because you can't, you can't let Memphis beat you twice. Right. You got. I, I want to see what they look like against Arkansas. I want to see what they look like against Cal. I want to see what they look like against Vanderbilt. If at the end of those games we're talking about the exact same things that we talked about this week, okay, you have a point. And I'm not saying that won't be the case. I don't know. Yeah. But I want to see those things. It's like Arkansas. I mean, they, they can't be happy with the performance they had against Portland State. But they've probably practiced this week. I'm going to assume that they have. And so they're looking to improve on the mistakes they made. Yeah. And so they'll be interesting to watch. This game Saturday will be interesting. Both teams are going to show up and try to win it, is my guess. And they're both going to be working on things. And uh, the Ole Miss staff will have watched the Portland State film probably about 70 times. And they're going to throw some of the same stuff at at Ben Hicks, at uh, Starkle, at the Arkansas offensive front, at Arkansas's defense. They're going to throw the same things at them and see if they can – Replicate it. Yeah. And Arkansas, I mean, on the other hand, is going to spend the week trying to correct those mistakes, knowing that Ole Miss is going to try to take advantage of them so that they'll force Ole Miss to adjust. That's the beauty of it. So I want to see another game before I do the sweeping thing. But from a big-picture standpoint, as we wrap up, I just think it's important for people to understand that it's one thing – you can be as frustrated as you want to be. I mean, look, it's cool. It's a message board. I, I don't do much moderation. You can demand people be fired, all that stuff. I get it. I understand. I think it's just premature right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that a lot of people completely – and I, I think it's because they don't want to understand it. I don't think a lot of people completely understand just – how bad it was. Yeah. It, That's the big thing. I don't I don't think they completely get it. And, and I under, and I understand why. Yeah. And and you know, I I think you said today actually, or maybe yesterday, I've said it, I've heard other people say it. It's gonna get <laughs> it's it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Yeah. It, it, I think it is. Like, oh, again, when you can say this about an SEC team, when you can say, hey, there's no chance they beat Alabama. There is no chance. There's no chance they beat Auburn. There's no chance they beat LSU. There's no chance they beat Texas A&M. And in my opinion, those are all factual statements. Yeah. When you say those things, man, that's sobering. So half and of the SEC schedule is no chance? Yeah, it's uh, – oh. That's sobering. And yeah, to me, those are all factual statements. 
I think it's unlikely they win in Columbia, Missouri. And I think it's unlikely they win in Starkville. Yeah. And and so now, those are the, the, the Yeah, I would say those are the two wild cards cuz I watched that I pretty much watched the entire Mizzou game. Now, Kelly Bryant looked really good, but the rest ugh. and State doesn't have that defense to bail them out, so uh, they're going to really need Tommy Stevens and Colin Hill to be awesome. Yeah. So. And they were against Louisiana Lafayette, but they might not be the rest of the way. So I'm with you. Those are wild cards. But if you made me bet today and say, hey, does Ole Miss win in, in Starkville? I'd say probably not. Does Ole Miss win in Missouri? Probably not. Yeah. So we'll Let but, me, but, I, but, uh, but my tune might change after I see Arkansas. Again, Yeah. these coaches get paid a lot of money at both of these schools. At Ole Miss, at Arkansas, Chad Morris is a good coach. They have a good staff over there. They're going to have a plan. They have this game circled as, hey, this is one we can win. So it'll be fun. We'll see, and we'll get together next week, and we'll talk about it. I'm trying not to get into the role of playing therapist every day because it's not my place. I just sometimes want to say it's not about, hey, do you like Matt Luke or all of those things. It's I'm kind of an advocate for fairness. And I think mm-hmm. to be fair, you have to say comparing, like you just did a minute ago, is brilliant. You talk about Satter White or Field or whatever his name is at Louisville. It's not the same thing. Mm, yeah. Matt played his first two seasons at way under 85. Yeah. In, in a and, league and, and where that doesn't work. Right. And, you know, like I, I mentioned it, you know, Satterfield is his seventh year as a head coach. I mean, Matt, as you say, is, is still pretty green yeah. when it comes to being a head coach. And that's where you get into the, should he have been hired? My yeah. opinion, not about Matt. My opinion is they needed to clean, they needed to, to turn the page. And yeah, they were going to turn the, the page. After the way the last regime exited, you got to just, uh, that's what that's what I was thinking too. But they didn't. But. And so here's where they are. And frankly, I think he's grown on the job in ways that he doesn't get credit for, in large part because the scoreboard doesn't show it yet. And the scoreboard may never show it. We'll see. I just think that I understand the reaction to the Memphis game. I just think it's really premature. Yeah. The good news is we get to come back next week and talk about it. We will, and uh, that's a perfect way to, to end. We'll have recruiting again on the site. Zach will have it. I'll have it. We'll get you recruiting. We'll find out who comes for the Arkansas game Saturday. We'll get together next week. We'll uh, we'll talk some recruiting as recruiting starts to heat back up again. Really no recruiting news that I'm really aware of uh, right now, but we'll talk about some of those things next week. Don't forget, Dead Soxie will be on the square at Nelson's on Friday from noon until close, on Saturday from noon until 3. The socks are really, really cool. You should check them out. You'll love them. They stay up. They stay cool. They're a great product, fantastic people. It's a line that's made uh, just for Ole Miss this week. You get a chance to look at them before they're available to the general public. So check it out at Nielsen's on the Square, deadsoxy.com. Enter promo code Rebel Grove, by the way, at checkout. Get 30% off all your orders. For Zach Barry, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this episode of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. Until next week, take care.